0: because of nothing. You hear me? They please us like we do. Yes, sir. They sweat us like we do. Do you hear me? They went through two days. We went through two a days at 110 degree heat. Yes, sir. God, I want you to hit everything to move. If the ref gets in your way, you hit him. Okay, then. Let's play. But they're cheating us, too. They're us, too. This is our team. This is us. Let's go right now. Let's get it off now. Let's go. Welcome to the Rob Bro Show. I am Rob Bro. It's Tuesday. Just had a wonderful Raiderland program. Now we're on to a different kind of hour. It's actually the same kind of hour. It's sports radio. You can join in if you want to. 806-855-3712. That text line is 806-855-3712. The theme of today is Job Approval Tuesday. You can approve of or disapprove of any job out there. Uh, My job, the Texas Tech football coaches, you can approve Mark Adams if you want to. Lots of basketball news to go through from yesterday. I'll also talk about the roster just a little bit. It's a different kind of roster, but the same kind of roster that Texas Tech has had. I'll tell you why in, I don't know. The third segment just took a stab there. We'll also talk TV numbers, and I want to open with the TV numbers, but if you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, comments, things you want to talk about, text in 80685 53712. 8068553712. That is the text line. Uh, let's get right into it. Stuart Mandel putting out the TV numbers. And Alabama-Tennessee on CBS drew a whopping, he says. 11.6 million viewers topping Alabama-Texas and Notre Dame-Ohio State is the most viewed game of the season. Uh, 2022 has already had three 10-plus million viewer games. One more than last season had prior to conference championship weekend. And it's week through week seven. Uh, The most watched college football games of this week, Alabama-Tennessee at 11.6 million, Penn State-Michigan 6.4, Clemson-FSU 3.2, USC-Utah 2.7, that's on Fox. So CBS-Fox, ABC-Fox, LSU-Florida on ESPN 2.5. Wisconsin, Michigan State on Fox at two point five, Iowa State, Texas on ABC at two point four, that's at eleven AM. Stanford, Notre Dame on NBC at two point two, Oklahoma State TCU at two point two, Auburn Ole Miss on ESPN at two flat. If I was the SEC, I would say, man, that Ole Miss number a little disappointing. If I was the Big 12, I would say, man, that Oklahoma State TCU number is a little disappointing. If I was the Pac-12 and I had USC and Utah, one of which is leaving at 2.7, I would say, man, that number is a little disappointing. Penn State, Michigan on Fox has to be just over the moon at 6.4. Then Alabama-Tennessee, NFL-type ratings, 11.6. That is ridiculous, incredible, good for them. That's what they, they're going to do. And now Alabama, the two most-watched games of the season, Alabama-Tennessee and Alabama-Texas, good hands for the SEC moving into the future. I want to go back to this Oklahoma State-TCU game, though, because that's an incredible game, an incredible game. On ABC. Unfortunately, it was pinned up against the game of the year in Alabama, Tennessee, that features two top five programs, two playoff contenders, two legitimate playoff contenders, two storied brands, two legitimate national championship contenders, a Heisman winner, A Heisman hopeful. And national brand power. A a very unfortunate spot for Oklahoma State TCU. Because Oklahoma State TCU is a very good game. But they don't have what Alabama-Tennessee has. They don't. And they don't claim to. That's the whole point that we're talking about with the Big 12. You're not trying to be in first place if you're the Big 12. You can't be. You can be third place, and I think you prove that, even with a a weak showing from Oklahoma State TCU. Because if you look at USC Utah at $2.7 and you look at when that game was played and against what it was played, in fact, let me let me go make sure because I don't want to I don't want to start misquoting and be a John Wilner because this is what John Wilner does. He just starts talking and then decides where he's trying to go in the middle of a statement and then is just like, "Ah, well, here we're we're good enough there. Let's just end there my thought is complete." Uh so look at some times here. Uh Alabama Oh my goodness! This computer is incredible. Just incredible technology we have in this building. The mouse, the the oh yeah, here we go. The mouse clicks seven inches to the left. This is ridiculous. Okay, here we go. Wow, that was great radio. Uh, Clemson Syracuse 11 a.m. That's week eight. Man, this is just incredible listening. I I am just really proud of this right now. All right, here we go. Week 7, college football. Um, going all the way to the schedule. Oh, now we don't have time's on here. All right, that was a uh, complete waste. <laughs> Anyways, John Wilner, TCU, Oklahoma State, were both undefeated and on broadcast television. Tell me again why Pac-12 ceiling is the Big 12's floor? Rinse, repeat. They are closer in valuation than dissimilar. Big 12 might have edge because of hoops, but it's on the margins, not transformative money difference. John Wilner's looking at the same numbers everybody else is looking at. How is he so far apart from everyone else in his mind? And I know he's trying to save his job. And I know he's trying to save the Pac-12. But the difference between third and fifth is millions of dollars. And USC is a Big Ten team now. You can't count it. USC-Utah did $2.7 million on Fox in a night primetime window against who what what other game was on it wasn't Alabama Tennessee USC Utah was a- alone on TV and it was a very good game but you needed USc to hit two point seven I thought Iowa State-Texas was nothing to brag about at 2.4. But here's John Wilder taking a 2.1 against the two most watched games of the day and somehow claiming that that makes the Pac-12 even. It doesn't, John. It doesn't. And again, this is two brands that that are not leaving. They're here. They're going to stay. And it's not that... I think John in his mind is like, oh, well, people think that the Big 12 is going to earn SEC money. They're not. We don't think that. But third-place money versus fifth-place money is a huge gap. And if it's not huge, it's big enough to make Arizona want to leave. If you could provide a $10 million a year gap and an improved basketball slate, a much improved basketball slate, a just tenfold improved basketball slate, the average opponent for a Big 12 team this year in Ken Palm is 29th through Big 12 play. The average opponent in the Pac-12 is 81st. It's much easier to play a tough Big 12 schedule and get to the tournament because you're in the Big 12 than to be in the Pac-12 and struggle a little early and then fight your way back to the tournament. TCU is a media darling because they beat Big 12 teams to finish last year. And then went to the Sweet 16. By the way, TCU. A lot of a lot of people back on that team. They're going to be good. Be prepared. And I I I don't want to say this out loud too much, but be prepared for TCU to be good in football, basketball, and baseball this year. TCU. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough watching them be successful. In all three major sports, it really is. But we're going to have to do it. We're going to have to do it because I think Jamie Dixon has something going there. Uh, and I think they have one of the best players in the country. Um, and one of the best big men in the country. So we'll see We'll see what they do. Uh, but back to the Pac-12, I, I think John Wilner at some point needs to realize that the Pac-12 marginally worse is good enough right now to kill the Pac-12. Marginally worse leaves you in the dust. Marginally worse puts you in last place of the Power Five. Marginally worse makes Arizona think about leaving. Marginally worse tanks your conference, John. That's all you need to be. All you need is to be marginally worse and your conference is dead. You have to be better. You have to be better. But it's the West Coast mentality of, it's not that bad. This off the text line. Rob, you said it. TCU Oklahoma State was up against Bama, Tennessee. That's the problem with these ratings. They're never apples to apples. Any and all rating comparisons should be Time Station Slot versus Time Station Slot. Uh, so how did TCU Oklahoma State do against other regional games on that channel at that time? We'll ask that when we come back. Uh, I'll try to find that for you. It's Rob Bro Show on Talk 103.9 News Money Sports, the Arctic Air Studio. We'll be back after this. welcome back. Rob Rose College Telgay show coming up on Saturday reading uh, TV numbers for college football. It always confuses me. I have a a weak mind. Uh, So going back to week four, the 3.30 game on ABC, Notre Dame, North Carolina, was 3.46 million. The 3.30 game on ABC in week five was Wake Forest, Florida State at 2.4 million. Then you go to week six. And it is a 4 o'clock game on ABC. 4.4 million, that's Ohio State and Michigan State. And then you come to Oklahoma State TCU on ABC at 3.30. Or 2.30, this is Eastern Time's Um, 2.14. So it is the lowest rated game of the window in the last several weeks. And I do think that Oklahoma State TCU in a vacuum, is disappointing. I would have hoped for at least three, but against the biggest watch game of the year, I'm not crying about it, and I still think the Big 12 is in a better position. Why? Because you just look down this list, and USC Utah is at 2.74, and I don't see another Pac-12 team besides Stanford-Notre Dame, and that's on NBC. Uh Nebraska, Temple, Temple UCF was six hundred and three thousand. Nobody else is even pulling or ranking. And and you go down the list in week six, Utah UCLA was two point six million. And then Stanford, Oregon State was on ESPN all alone at ten at ten PM. And they got one point oh eight. Uh nothing else from the Pac 12 in that week. Week five. You go down the Pac twelve registers Arizona State USC at one point nine two at ten thirty, nine thirty PM Central. Nobody else is on that at that time. And that's why the Pac twelve is surviving. And that's why the Pac twelve thinks they're stronger as as the Big Twelve. But if the Big 12 has that window, they will outrate you. That's just the fact of the matter. Now, maybe we get uh, more into this with uh, Kyle Jacobson, either on the Gambling Gauchos or on this show Friday when he joins me in studio. Uh, he is the TV number guy, much much better at numbers. Um, this off the text line. Uh, Spencer Sanders might not play against Texas. Yes, I have seen this, and I think that's the only explanation for the steam that Texas is getting because that number went to a full touchdown. If you're looking at the the betting number for Texas-Oklahoma State in Stillwater and it's, it's homecoming for, for Oklahoma State... That, that number opened as a plus two and a half for Texas, and it's gone eight points the other direction. Eight points for a minus six and a half to Texas. I mean, if you want to fade the steam, get down on Oklahoma State. That's number 20 Texas versus number 11 Oklahoma State. And Texas is now a seven point favorite, basically. The only other real steam, well, you have a three-point movement in two other games. Uh, Baylor has gone down to minus seven and a half. Uh, Theoretically, when that opened, ten and a half, Candace looked good. If that drops to six and a half for Baylor, you might try to middle uh, and bet them both and hope that game's a touchdown win for Baylor Uh, and win two bets there. Uh, because I think Baylor's defense has proven that they have serious holes. And I think Kansas' offense has been pretty good, even with Bean. Uh, they never went away against Oklahoma. Uh, and then the the West Virginia-Texas Tech game, some movement there. That game is at minus seven now. Uh, it opened at plus four for West Virginia, minus four for Texas Tech. That total has also steamed down to 67.5. Started at 72. So, a lot of odd movement here. And it might be that Vegas just knows a starting quarterback in a couple of these places or uh, doesn't know a starting quarterback. Because if you don't know if Spencer Sanders is healthy, that Texas-Oklahoma State game looks way different, right? Uh, By the way, Kansas State and TCU... Obviously the game of the week. Uh, I know Texas-Oklahoma State is really pivotal for Oklahoma State and Texas both. Um, But the orange teams and the purple teams battling off for basically a potential Big 12 championship matchup. Uh, I think those are the top four teams in the league. and They're all playing each other. That's going to be a good window. And TCU-Kansas State on Fox Sports 1, but... It's at 7 p.m. So I think you're going to get a strong showing from there, even though TCU has a terrible fan base and brings down the Big 12. Uh, And then you have uh, 2.30 on ABC, which is a window we were just talking about with Texas-Oklahoma State. I think that number will be much better uh, than it was last week because TCU's not involved. Uh, And I I know that Texas shouldn't count really to the numbers we're talking about when we talk about the Big 12 versus the Pac-12 because they're not going to be here. Um but we'll see. Um as we're talking, the total on sixty-seven went down another half point. That was funny. Um so it's at a flat sixty-seven now, not sixty-seven and a half. Interesting. All right, we'll take another break here. When we come back, we'll get to more questions off the text line. We'll go through the job approval ratings off the bye week. Surely they didn't decline during the bye week. We'll do all that and more when we come back. in The Rob Bro Show Talk 103.9 News, Money, Sports. back into the Rob bro show it's job approval Tuesday uh, after the buy nothing really changing Joey McGuire staying strong 98.9% Tim DeRuiter at a flat 98% Zach Kidley trending upwards with no game last weekend at 91.3. I wonder if people watch other games in a bye week, in a in, a, in an open date. A bye week is what happens in the playoffs. Uh, an open date and they watch other offenses. Stronger. They watch the Iowa State offense for the first time. They watch some of these other teams. They watch Stanford, Notre Dame, and they say, you know what? It's not that bad here at Texas Tech. <laughs> it's not that bad. Let me go ahead and uh, vote yes on Zach Hilly. Uh By the way, I had voted yes on uh, all three coaches all season long. I am very impressed, uh, even with the 3-3 three and three record, uh, because that's what I thought would happen. Uh, you played a really tough non-conference. You played... Well, not really tough. You played a tough non-conference. And I think Houston in Lubbock was much different than Houston anywhere else. I I don't think you can look at a team and say they're the same team every week. That's not how football works. It's never how football worked. And maybe I'm just trying to pump up Houston to make them look better in Lubbock. But they played really well that day. So I would say that uh, that 3-3 three and three record with a win over Houston and Texas is pretty gum good right now. Now, you've not won on the road yet. You've had some issues with the quarterback, the quarterback controversy or whatever else you want to call it. Some people would say it's more of an issue than others would. <laughs> but... I don't think there's really any complaint for a year one coach besides like hey the special teams hasn't been great. Well, uh, let's 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 figure out, you know, a, a full season of offense. Let's figure out a full season of defense. Let's get some electric playmakers on the field that you're recruiting currently from the high school level. And let them return a kick and see how much better it gets when you return every kick. Uh, And again, I think you're just setting culture this year. And the wins and losses matter, but they're not a direct reflection of the result. A lot of the results you can't see this year, that you're just trying to build behind the scenes. And I think in the open date you did a lot of work, hopefully, that you can't see... Uh, But I really do think that this team can finish strong. Which has been a problem at Texas Tech. And is a problem in college football. It's really hard to finish strong. That's why Matt Campbell is so good. That's why Brock Purdy was so good. He he had the Brocktober. And they were always really good through October. And that stretch really separated them in a lot of seasons from the bottom half of the Big 12 up to the top. Half. They were never at the top of the Big 12, but Uh, this off the text line, if you want to text in, you can, 806-855-3712. Uh, Rob, are the two thirty ABC games all national? Didn't they used to air multiple games on the same network, but divide the coverage areas into a regional footprints? Is that no longer done? I don't believe so. I I think they're national. Um, because how it works now is is a uh, a network bids on the conference. Um, I believe. Now I could be totally wrong, but I think the the network bids on the conference. And then you get that conference, and you you move it forward. So, like, let's say this weekend, uh, you're you're bidding on the ACC first because it's two undefeated teams: it's Clemson, Syracuse. Like, I want I want ABC. I'm going to put them at 11 a.m. on Fox. Whatever it is, that's not what it is, but you get the point. And then the next, uh, the next, then ESPN's up, and and they say, oh, we want the Big 12. We're going to put Texas, Oklahoma State at 2:30 on on ABC. Then there's a draft, and you put the teams out, and it's a seven day window, and I believe that's how it works. I don't think it's like the NFL, where Fox has you know all the NFC games, and they regionalize them all the way across. You you kind of the first tier rights are the national games, and then you're you're bidding on them and putting them out, and not every conference has access to every you know national brand it's you know the c the cbs is the sec game of the week so that's not regionalized and then the abc is you know big 12 acc so even if you were regionalizing it um you know that that's that's a big part of it right and if you're regionalizing the uh The the 11 a.m. window on ABC, and it's a Texas-Oklahoma State game, that's pretty much everywhere. At least all the way to California. Because they're not playing uh, at that time. Probably go all the way north, too, on ABC, because they're Fox right now. So I believe it's national. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Let's get back to some basketball. Uh, Yesterday it comes out that the Big 12 poll is 25th. Sorry. <laughs> not the Big 12 poll. If you're 25th in the Big 12, you got some problems. Um, the Big 12 poll came out last week. Texas Tech was 5th, tied with Oklahoma State. I never understood the tying, uh, but it is what it is. The AP poll has also been released. It was released yesterday. Texas Tech showing up at 25th. And it's not unreasonable, right? It's, it's not weird. It's not new for Texas Tech to have a brand new roster from year to year. It's not. Uh, pretty much every year under Chris Beard, pretty much every year uh, beyond last year with Mark Adams, you have a brand new roster every year. This year it's different because you have freshmen, a lot of freshmen. Now you do have your share of transfers. Jalen Tyson technically a sophomore, but has not played big minutes, especially in Big 12 play. He left Texas before. So I'm going to count him as a redshirt freshman. I believe he is on the roster, too. Even so, he's a sophomore with no experience, or very little experience. Then you have Pop Isaacs, who allegedly is starting in the scrimmage at the 2 with David Harmon. David Harmon is a guy who started at Oklahoma, went to Oregon, back at Texas Tech. But really, if you're just talking about true power five experience, you have Kevin O'Banner who played here last year and then Oral Roberts the time before as a super senior. And then David Harmon. You have a guy you have guys that have played a lot of basketball, but KJ Allen, a returner. I wouldn't say has a a big wealth of Big 12 and conference and and Power 5 experience. Now, he's been here a year. Daniel Bacho, you could argue, has a considerable amount of experience, but he's not been a starter and and played 20, 25, 30 minutes a game. He might to start the season. The Bacho hype, by the way, the Bacho hype (laughs) is intense. It is intense, and I think it's fairly real. It's not just, you know, planted moles coming out and saying that Baccio has is, is turned a corner. I, I, I legitimately think we saw flashes last year of him being one of the better bigs on the team, and I think he's going to get that opportunity this year, especially with Fardas being out until December, January, February, we don't know. Indefinite. But if you look at the roster makeup now more than ever, you're not just saying, well, it's going to take some time to gel because it is, it is going to take time to gel. but you're also saying it's going to take time for these freshmen to grow up. I mean, Elijah Fisher is reclassifying should be a senior in high school, but he's here at Texas tech and he's ready to contribute Lamar Washington, Robert Jennings, pop Isaacs. You have a lot of freshmen that are coming in and going to compete for playing time and going to compete in Big 12 play for you this year. It's not like last year where you had a bunch of seniors coming in for a last run. You had a bunch of older players coming in and you're gelling experience. This year, you're gelling youth and experience. It reminds me, not quite the same, but if you go back to, like, let's say, when Zaire Smith and Jarrett Culver are freshmen and they get playing time and run, and you go to the Elite Eight, and that's experience and freshman coming together. Or you even go back to early Tubby Smith where you have some experience, and then you have the big freshman class. Now, what happens by the time those freshmen are seniors? That's the first run of the Elite Eight, Keenan Evans, Justin Gray. Then, obviously, Brandon Francis and Norton Sodiase state of the next year, and you go to the national championship game. Now, college basketball is weird and not quite the same, even as it was five years ago, and I think you see it in college football now more than ever, but you really have seen it in college basketball even longer, the transfer portal it kind of eliminates some of this three, four-year at-the-same-school kind of guy. But if if you can get that going with this class you brought in this year, they could have Noren Sodiase, Justin Gray, Keenan Evans-type impact Because I think it's that kind of class. And it's a big enough class that you can grow them together and keep adding. And I'm not trying to say that you're not going to be good this year, that you need to punt and, and tank for next year. No, that's not what's happening. I think you'll be good this year. I think with this roster, though, you have real potential to be really good next year. Now, the season hasn't even started, so I'm not, again, I'm not saying that this year is going to be miserable, but I think fifth place is about right for this Texas Tech team with a ton of talent, a ton of talent and a potential to play way above fifth place. But that takes a lot of ifs to gel together quickly and a lot of youth to turn experienced by Big 12 play. And the Big 12 is an absolute meat grinder. It's an absolute gauntlet. It's an 18-round fight, right? That's what they say. That's what they call it. But if the youth comes in ready, Texas Tech can be very dangerous. But again, I think it's an if. I think it's an if. Now, very excited to get the season going. Very excited. Uh, used to be more excited in the last four or five years because you're kind of done with football by this point. Now, I'm not done with football yet, which is exciting too. <laughs> but, but we'll see as it goes through. All right, back to the, <laughs> back to the text line when we come back. Uh, I got a big game boomer text I'll read when when we return. It's the Rob Rose Show on Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. Rose show. You are the co-host. You can text in. We've got about five more minutes. 806 uh, Off the text line, Big Game Boomer has Texas Tech on upset alert. Uh, yeah. And... <laughs> I mean, all due respect, I, I have had Big Game Boomer on uh, a podcast I host, The Game of Gouchos. We've had him on uh, once. We went on his podcast. I think he's a, a brilliant engagement machine. He knows how to use Twitter. Uh, he has built that into a brand. I have high respect for Big Game Boomer and what he does. But none of it's real. None of his analysis is real and he'll he'll tell you it is but it's not. It's just engagement fodder. Which he's very good at. Um and you know what Texas Tech probably is on upset alert this weekend. I think West Virginia has figured a couple of things out. Uh they certainly did against Baylor I think we've proven that Kansas is a legitimate offense, and when things happen, and goes away. Now, if you turn the ball over four times against West Virginia, you will lose. If you turn the ball over four times against West Virginia, you will lose. If your quarterback throws the ball on the ground, and they pick it up and scoop and score, and you turn it over three other times... And your backup quarterback comes in and throws 7 of 14. You will lose. If they throw a pick 6 in overtime, you'll win. I mean, that's their two Big 12 games. The other one they got hammered by Texas. Against Kansas, lost in overtime, pick 6 in overtime. JT Daniels. If you go back to the Pit game... JT Daniels was throwing up rainbow prayers for 20 yards, and they were just miraculously landing in open receivers. The, the Pitt secondary was awful in that game. And so was the West Virginia secondary. By the way, tip drill pick six in that one, I believe, changed the game as well. So I I think that West Virginia is going to be a good team Um, in the fact that all Big 12 teams, I think, are good this year as opposed to having some really bad teams in the last couple years. Um, But just because everyone is good doesn't mean everyone's the same level of good. I think West Virginia could go be very competitive in the Pac-12 this year, but I don't think they're going to win... Four Big 12 games. I think they'll be competitive. I think it'll be a competitive game this weekend. I don't think Texas Tech will win by 21. And I guess if you're looking ahead to Baylor, you could say this is a bit of a trap game for Texas Tech, but I don't think you have the luxury at 3-3 three and three in doing that. And if Joey Maguire was going to be looking ahead at anyone, I don't think he is. It would be looking ahead at Baylor, his former program. A lot of the staff comes from program. I I, I think they want to beat Baylor really bad, but I just do not think that Baylor is more important today to those those coaches and those players than West Virginia is. I, I I don't see I don't see Texas Tech being a huge upset alert. Now, it's a seven-point line. And that moved from four fairly quickly. So I think there's a lot of people in agreement that Texas Tech is the favorite and should be the favorite and will win. Stranger things have happened. I said yesterday Texas Tech could finish five and one. Hey, they could finish one and five. That's how football go, right? you got to play the games, and I think Texas Tech's much closer to 5-1 one than 1-5. One so we'll come back tomorrow and talk about it more, 11 a.m. on the Raiderland, then this show right after. I've been Rob Bro, I'll be Rob Bro tomorrow, I'm sure. See you then.